Welcome to the Extra Point Podcast. Extra Point is part of the preaching ministry at Moberly Baptist Church in East Texas. Extra Point provides helpful follow-up to Sunday's message. Specifically, it allows us to discuss some of the extra points from the message that we didn't have time to fully discuss on Sunday, and even answer some of your questions from the listening audience. If you would like to submit a question, you can go to extrapoint at moberly.org and email us there with your questions. I'm Paul Coleman, the teaching pastor at Moberly, and today I am actually doing the podcast by myself. Typically, one of our other pastors joins me here, and usually it's Jeffrey Davis from our Marshall campus, but... He was unable to be here today, and so today I'm going to just do the podcast by myself and and talk about uh, continue to talk about this series above every other, discussing the various names of God that we have been talking about over the last few weeks. And today, the two names we're going to talk about, or that we talked about in Sunday's message, uh, were El Dea, which is the God of Knowledge, <clears throat> and Yahweh Sabaoth, which is the Lord of hosts, or uh, as the CSB translates it, the Lord of armies. And two interesting names, and as I stated on Sunday, when I began to study these two names for preparing a message for for the Lord's Day on Sunday, I didn't realize that both these names first appeared in our Bibles in the story of the same person, that's Hannah's story. And so a little context about Hannah. Hannah was the uh, the uh, husband, I'm sorry. Hannah was the wife of Elkanah. Elkanah was her husband and um, she was not able to have kids. And that was the thing that she wanted. Actually, she wanted a son and she had asked the Lord to grant her uh, that prayer request. So she had pleaded with the Lord on numerous occasions and uh, the Lord gave her a son. His name was Samuel, which means heard by God. And so she took him to the temple as she had promised and dedicated him to the Lord and went to live at the temple at a very young age. And Eli was the priest there, and he hung out and lived with Eli. And there in the temple, God called him, God called Samuel, to be a prophet, a great prophet for him. And so she did what she said she would do. If the Lord would give her a son, she would dedicate him completely or completely to him, to God and Yahweh. And, he, and she did that. And I think about... Um, so then she reveals in her prayer in, in, in uh, Samuel chapter 2, 1 Samuel chapter 2, this idea of El Dea. God is the God who knows. De- Dea means to know or knowledge. And so uh, I think about the idea of God knowing. And I talked about that quite a bit in the message. But in Hannah's context, the situation really is Hannah's pain. I, I think one of the things that if you're in ministry for any length of time, one of the things you hear and realize is that people, all of us in our lives, it's not just people who are outside the ministry, but even those of us who serve in ministry, we all experience pain in our lives. We all experience difficult things, things that we're not quite sure um, how to deal with and things that come out of the blue sometimes and they surprise us and uh, can cause us to have anxiety and really can test our faith. And all of us go through that. Every one of us who seek to follow the Lord go through trials. James talks about that in chapter 1 of James, that trials are actually a good thing. They test our trust in God. And so for Hannah, this is her greatest plea, her greatest prayer request is that the Lord would grant her a child, a son. And she doesn't, you know, she has no control over that. So she has to totally trust the Lord. And I think so many times... The thing that I hear from people, and I've even questioned in my own life sometimes, 
when things are not going well in my life or circumstances are negative or I look around and one bad thing happens and the next bad thing happens and maybe another bad thing happens. And sometimes in those situations, we think to ourselves, can it get any worse? Um, And we tend to think, I wonder where God is or I wonder if God really knows what's going on with me right now. And often those things those bad situations drive us to prayer. They drive us to seek the Lord. But one of the things that we learn from Hannah's story and the revelation through Hannah's story of God as Eldea is that God knows everything. God was fully aware of Hannah's situation. Um, it wasn't a matter of him not knowing about her situation. That wasn't why she was unable to conceive. Um, it wasn't that situation. So for her, the assurance that God knows and God knew her brought a lot of peace. It brought a lot of hope into her life. Obviously, God answered her prayer as well. But I think even when we don't see our prayers being answered the way that we want them to be answered, we can still say, because of God's revelation of himself as Eldea, we can still say that we trust the Lord. We trust that he knows us, that he knows exactly what we're going through. He's aware of all of it. And he hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. Um, so what happens in those situations is our faith comes under attack. And Paul says in Ephesians 6, I believe it's verse 17, that, um, that we should take up our shield of faith with which we will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy or the evil one. So that means that Satan's greatest attack on us and most common attack on us is in our area of our trust, just trusting God. Something as simple as that, of trusting that God knows our situation, that He has not abandoned us or forsaken us when we're going through pain, but that He's aware. And so when we trust in Him, that acts as a shield in our lives to protect us. Now, the the, the great thing, I heard a famous preacher named E.V. Hill one time when I was uh, visiting Mid-America Seminary in Memphis, Tennessee, when I served there uh, in Memphis for a couple of summers, we went over to a chapel. I'd never heard of E.V. Hill. He was a great African-American pastor, I believe from Los Angeles or California, somewhere there. And and he um, was a real fiery guy. And he preached on this very verse. And he talked about the absoluteness of the fact that every time you take up your shield of faith, you can extinguish all, every single fiery dart of the evil one in your life. In other words, you can have victory every single time in your life by taking up the shield of faith. And that's an extra point. I didn't talk about that in the message on Sunday, but it's a very important point for all of us because, as I said, James 1 talks about our our faith being tested, and there are other passages that speak about that as well. But really, there's so many stories in the Old Testament that talk about and and illustrate the idea of people's trust in God being tested. But I love that verse from Ephesians 6 where it's talking about our armor that when we take up faith, when we trust God, when we trust in this situation like Hannah did, that God knows us. He knows what we're going through. It is a, it is a form of protection for us. It creates a shield around our life um, that will not allow the enemy to penetrate and therefore attack us. <clears throat> so it's very important when we think about what we're going through, we tend to think, well, you know, I, I don't know if God's aware. We're, we're letting down our shield at that point, and we have to go back to the Bible and say, what does the Bible say about God? Well, one of the things it says about Him, and He's communicated about Himself, is that He's held Deah. He's the God who knows. 
And so he knows everything about us. And there are passages that we talked about in the messages. Psalm 139 is an excellent passage to talk about the sort of some of the detail of God's knowledge of our lives, the fact that he knows all these things about us. Uh, When we sit and we stand, before we even speak a word, he knows what we're going to say. So God is fully aware, Jesus said in in Luke 12, that, that God even has the hairs on our head all numbered which I think is such a illustrative example of God's knowledge of us because it's meaningless that the hairs on our head would be numbered, but it shows the knowledge of God. It shows the, the depth and specificity of His knowledge of our lives. He knows every detail of our lives. So there's nothing that escapes His notice. And Israel often fell into the trap of believing when things were tough in their lives that God had somehow... Uh, abandoned them, had gone away, that he was not with them, that he did not know what was going on. Surely he wasn't aware of what was going on with them. And they often just misinterpreted their circumstances. So when you're going through something tough, you get a tough diagnosis from the doctor, or maybe your finances are in a bad place, and you're feeling like they're going the wrong direction, and maybe your business is dying. Uh, I know people are going through that right now with all this COVID-19 stuff, and A lot of people have lost their small businesses. A lot of people who have investments or businesses related to the oil industry, oil and gas industry. And that hits our area pretty hard. A lot of you guys and and women have been hit hard in that area. And you may be tempted to think, man, it just can't get any worse. And you may be tempted to think God's not aware of it. But I want to assure you that El Dea, our great God, Yahweh, El Dea, Elohim Dea, knows. He knows everything you're going through. And he is involved in helping you, not just knowing about it, but the idea of his knowledge is that it's personal and intimate, that it's part of your relationship with him, and he wants to help you. And so I hope that'll encourage you today as you think about you know, what that looks like, because the, the reality is there's nothing in our lives that comes into our lives or goes out of our lives that God's not aware of. He knows every aspect of all of that. And so that's an encouragement today. The next name we talked about was Yahweh Sabaoth. And I love this. It's a powerful image of God. It comes through us uh, to us, I'm sorry, the first occurrence there in 1 Samuel through the story of Hannah because Hannah actually says that the Bible says she prayed to the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies. I mentioned this in the message, but most translations prior to the Christian Standard Bible translate Yahweh Sabaoth as um, the Lord of hosts. And, and that's not inaccurate, but... The word for host, sabaoth, really is host or armies or even warfare. And so the Christian Standard Bible, everywhere it translates Yahweh sabaoth, it translates it Lord of armies. And several years ago, Chris Tomlin wrote the song, Whom Shall I Fear? We sang it here on Sunday. It talks about angel armies. And, and I remember the first time I heard that song, and I thought, that's an interesting way to put that. I know it's the name Lord of hosts, but it's more descriptive. It's it's more uh, more of a powerful image, I think, to think about God as the commander of a countless number of angel soldiers or angels who are messengers of His to come at His beck and call. You remember at the announcement of His birth to the shepherds in Luke 2 that it says they were surrounded by a heavenly host. And so the word host can also be army. So in Luke 2, it could even be that they were surrounded by a army of angels. You know, that's a different image. It, it creates a different idea. And um, use several examples of that. Isaiah experienced that, but that name is used 260 times in the Old Testament. And it's a powerful name. It's the name that appears on the Ark of the Covenant. 
It's the it's the name that David used when he fought Goliath. Think about that for just a minute. If you go back and read um, the story of David in 1 Samuel 17 where he defeated Goliath, it's a wonderful story because David is completely in opposition in terms of his trust. I'm going back and talk about trust again. But in his trust in Yahweh and, and all the other people, including King Saul, they're all terrified of Goliath. They're all terrified of this Philistine giant. And um, <clears throat> I've had the opportunity actually to go to the Valley of Eli where that, where that standoff took place. And I actually have a, one of the, I reached down and grabbed a, a stone. It's a, kind of a dry riverbed there in that valley. And there's a lot of smooth stones there. And it says David got five smooth stones. So I actually have a smooth stone from that area. And uh, I think of it often when I have it sit on my desk. It just reminds me of David's faith. David, as a young man, he may have been a teenager, um, the youngest of Jesse's sons, a shepherd boy, is, is full of trust in God. So when he finally gets to face Goliath, he says, You come at me with a spear and a sword and a javelin. I come at you in the name of Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of armies. And he stands there with this incredible sense of confidence. And I think that is missing in many modern uh, American Christians' lives. I think because we are so sensitive to um, influence from social media, we are all aware that anything we post or say may go viral. It may be something that's used against us. It, it sort of creates in us this sense of fear that we need to walk with timidity around other people. And yet, certainly if I share my opinion about anything, it's worthless. <laughs> but if I'm sharing the Word of God or the words of God, if I am communicating on God's behalf as His representative, which David clearly was in 1 Samuel 17, then I should have the boldness of David. I should have the boldness of someone whose God, whose Lord, Yahweh, is the Lord of armies, who has that kind of power and that kind of strength. For Hannah, for her, it meant that she could go to him and plead her cause before him and know that he had the power to bring it into effect. And certainly, we know God's capable of anything. The Bible says he's the God of all flesh. There's nothing too difficult for him. So we know that's true. But for Hannah, to pray to the Lord of armies meant that she was praying to this God who's full of strength. And we know that God's unlimited in his power and his strength, his authority. And um, I think that's something we need to meditate on, to sit before the presence of the Lord and really let that truth sink in. Let it, as, as A.W. Tozer said, let those truths dawn on you. <laughs> I like that because when they dawn on you, when something dawns on you, it, it it creates an aha moment in your spirit and your heart where you go, okay, I see that now. And that's going to affect how I carry myself. That's going to affect how I go forward. <clears throat> so I would say that this is one of those names that you really ought to dwell on and allow the, the authority, the power, and the strength of God to permeate your thinking. I mean, Tozer said, too, that what a man thinks of when he thinks of God is the most important thing about him. And I think sometimes we're tempted to reduce God into human likeness and therefore reduce Him to human limitation, and that's a mistake. He is not like us. We are made in His image, and it's not the other way around. And so 
to see him as he is, which is the whole point of his revelation, the whole point of him sharing all his various names to us, is to know him and see him accurately as he is, creates a real sense of confidence in us. I closed the message yesterday by reading Jesus' great commission to his disciples, the last thing he said to them before he went back into heaven. And in that passage in Matthew 28, he says, the very first thing he says, it's verse 18, we sometimes don't read it when we read the Great Commission, but he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, because I have all authority, go in my name and teach and baptize all nations. And I think of it this way, what gives me the right or any person uh, who knows the Lord the right to go to another nation and preach to them that there's only one God, that there's only one way of salvation. In other words, to say to them, essentially, whatever you're trusting in right now to get you to heaven is wrong. Whatever God's small g you're believing in are false. What gives me the right to do that? It's not what gives me the right, it's who gives me the right. Who gives me the authority? It's Jesus Christ. It's Yahweh Sabaoth. It's the God of armies. It's the, it's the Lord of all. Again, whose name is above every name? Jesus' name. Philippians 2 says that God gave him a name that is above every other name because he is above every other being. And so we are to go, and to go not in arrogance at all, and not because we're American, but because we're followers of Yahweh Sabaoth. We're to go in confidence. And I love to see people. One of the things I enjoyed about working with students was to see them begin to really know God personally in their personal relationship. And in every situation, God, through his, through his relationship with that student, would transform them into the, a bolder version of them, their former self. <clears throat> and I always love to see that. To me, that is exactly what he did in my life. I was always a shy, introverted kid, never had any desire to speak in front of anybody doing anything. And God said, that's not, that's not what you're going to do. You're going to do something different. I'm going to call you to do something different. I have called you to do something different. And it's completely was completely out of my comfort zone. Sometimes it still is. But I have confidence now that I didn't have then. And I love to see that in other people because it's, a, it's one of the surest signs that God is in a relationship with a person and making himself known to them. They become increasingly bold ready to stand up and speak for the Lord, ready to take the gospel to anyone and and to live for God's priorities. So I started the message on Sunday by reading a passage uh, from David because it's really a prayer of David's um, as he's thinking about building God a temple. And of course, God sent Nathan to him and said, no, you're not going to do that. That's in 2 Samuel. He talked about that in verse chapter 7, verse 22, 24. He said, no, you're not going to, you're not going to build... Um, me a temple. That's going to be one of your descendants. But then David sits in the presence of the Lord. This is the way I started my message, by talking about all the things that God had done for Israel in verses 22 through 24. In the middle of that passage, it says he did all these things to make a name for himself. And I think about God's desire to make a name for himself. And that is something that he's still doing. Sure, Jesus is the final revelation of God in the sense of us getting to know him but there are lots of people in my circles of influence and your circles of influence who don't who don't know anything really about God or Jesus. They don't really know them, either one of them personally. They don't know the Holy Spirit either because they don't have the Holy Spirit living in them. So they, they don't recognize 
the work of the Holy Spirit. They don't recognize Jesus or God. They don't know God in that way. And so God puts me into their life. He puts you into their life to really represent him. I get to be an ambassador for Christ. Um, and Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians um, this idea of, of me begging others uh, re- to reconcile, to be reconciled to God, that I am his representative, that I, God does his begging sort of through me. And so that's an amazing thought. God wants to make a name for himself with the people that I know, and he's going to do that through my, his relationship with me, and he'll do that in your life through his relationship with you. So I want you to understand that, yes, God wants you to have a relationship with him where you know him personally, but it doesn't end with you. God's always concerned about other people. He's always going after that lost sheep because that's the heart of God. And so our focus should never be exclusively internal. Our, our, our focus can be somewhat internal, but it also needs to be focused outwardly always. The gospel is about others. It's about reaching out beyond ourselves to share what we know and what God's done in our lives. So I would encourage you, uh, one of the things that's very convicting about the idea of God knowing, Eldea, is the fact that he knows everything about you. And the Bible says that for people who don't know the Lord Jesus and they face judgment someday, it says that, that all their secrets will be revealed. Things that maybe they only know about themselves, God knows about them as well. Their sin, their sinful motives, the things that happen inside of them that maybe they share with no one, God knows about those things. The things that they think they've done in secret that are sinful things, God knows about those things. And the Bible says one day those things will be shouted from the rooftop. So I don't know very many people who want to face full disclosure of all their sins one day on a judgment day. But the Bible says that will happen at the great white throne judgment. You will face judgment for all the deeds done in the flesh, the Bible says. So to me, it's a way better proposition to give your life to Jesus Christ and let Him be your Savior. Let Him come into your life and forgive you for your sin, to repent of your sin and trust Him as your Savior. That is a much better proposition than standing before God and having to answer for every idle word, for every sinful thing that you said, done, or thought that you thought maybe no one else knew about because God knows about those things. And one of the things that um, it says in Hannah's prayer in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2 when she talks about God being the God of knowledge, Eldea, is that God actually weighs uh, the actions of men. And so there'll be a day when every person stands before God and gives an account. And my encouragement to you, if you've never asked Christ to come into your life, <clears throat> is that you would do a very simple thing, and that is you would call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says in Romans ten thirteen, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so right where you are, as you're listening to this podcast today, you could call on the name of the Lord to save you. If you believe Jesus is who he said he is, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, that he died on the cross, that he rose again three days later, that he conquered sin, death, and hell, and that his life and death are the only answer, the only solution for your sin problem, then the most log- if you believe those things, the most logical thing to do then is to exercise your faith by putting your trust in him. I heard a man describe it this way one time. It made a lot of sense to me. He said there's a difference between historical faith and saving faith. Historical faith is the idea that you believe that Jesus can save people, that you agree with that, perhaps. Saving faith is saying, I don't only believe it, I'm going to let 
allow, I'm going to ask, I'm going to trust that Jesus will be my Savior. I'm going to put my life in His hands. And so today, if you'd like to do that, you can pray a simple prayer just like this, of calling on the name of the Lord. You can say, Dear God in heaven, I'm sorry for my sin. I don't want any part of it. I I abandon it. I reject it. And I want Christ, you, I want you, Jesus Christ, to come into my life and save me and give me a relationship with God. I want to be adopted into the family of God forever. And thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for saving me right now. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to live in a way that does make you famous. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something. Take your next step, okay? That's tell somebody. And one of the ways you can do that is you can tell a friend today, a relative, a neighbor, that you put your trust in Jesus Christ today. That'd be a great thing. The other thing you can do is go to moberly.org slash next card. And there's a little online form you can fill out there. And somebody from our staff will reach out to you and connect with you and really help you understand how to take your next step in faith. But we would love a chance to help you in that. And um, and I realize that a lot of people who listen to this are probably already believers, but we haven't shared the gospel on the Extra Point podcast in a while. And I wanted to have a chance to do that today because I think it fit right in. So I hope this podcast has been helpful for you as a connect group leader, a discipleship group leader, or just in your own personal study of God's Word. Hope you'll join us next time for the Extra Point Podcast or in person this coming Sunday. We are meeting back together on our Longview and Marshall campus. Uh, On Longview campus, it's at 8 o'clock and 11. And on the Marshall campus, I believe it's at 11. But if you want more information about those gathering times or our online services, you can go to moberly.org. Thanks for being with us.